0: Throughout the Bible, there are many illustrations. Jesus was often using them to to teach a point, and, and his his apostles, his disciples, they did as well, and they were as they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And and the Holy Spirit must know that that these illustrations are somehow necessary, somehow very important for us in our learning, in our ability to learn. God, he and, uh, He uses one of the first illustrations as he's talking to Cain in Genesis 4-7 when he says, and if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is for you, but you must rule over it. And I kind of, I picture a, a wild beast as he's standing at the door ready to pounce on to Cain here. And that's... That's what bitterness does, isn't it? It jumps on you. It it devours you like a wild beast. Have you ever thought about why illustrations are important? Have you ever thought about why they are, are necessary? Bob and Pat in their living room, they have a uh, two windows right behind their TV and as you sit in their recliner, you can look out in the woods and down the path, and and sometimes there's there's deer, sometimes there's squirrels, sometimes there's my kids running out in the yard. And, and a couple years ago, Bob took those windows out, and he put in one bigger window. Now, nothing on the outside has changed. Just now I can see more clearly what's going on outside. And that's exactly what a, a good illustration is supposed to do. It doesn't change or or alter truth. It just simply illuminates and and allows our minds to be able to apply this to our hearts. The Apostle Paul was a master at, at illustrations. He, he used them uh, often. He talked about farmers and in soldiers and, and races and athletes. And today that's what we're gonna look at. We're gonna look at an illustration of a of a race and, and we're gonna see what that what that means to uh, the athlete, and then we're gonna try to apply that to our own Christian lives and and what is he trying to show us. So the first part, verse twenty four. We're going to look at the illustration. Paul says 24a, Do you not know that in a, a race all the runners run? And the Corinthians here, they would know exactly what he was talking about. The Isthmian Games is second in importance only to the Olympic Games. They're held the year before and the, the year after the Olympics, and they're held right outside of Corinth, and massive crowds would come, and, and the streets would be filled from people all over the Roman Empire, and so everybody would know what, what, what time it was, when they, when all the crowds start filling in. And, and the athletes in these races, they would come to train and compete. They'd have to train for 10 months before they ever got to repeat. And it would be a very, very strict training. They'd have to give up many worldly enjoyments. And the prize that these athletes would, would be running for would be the most coveted prize in the Roman Empire. It would be worth... Far more than just silver and gold, it would it would just be though uh, parsley, pine needles, celery, and olive leaves just wrapped together, and it would probably deteriorate in less than a week. But with the crown came free education, came no taxes. Your you would get an, uh your face or your whole body made out of marble and they would put it in the city in which you were born and you know for the rest of your life you would have this reputation. When the race was over, each athlete would come, they would stand before the judge, and and the judge would look at some and he would disqualify them. They didn't run the race According to the rules. But the one who ran the race. The the one who won. He would kneel before the judge. And the judge would set the crown on his head. This is the illustration that Paul is giving us as Christians. We are to run like a winner. And this illustration his his main point for us is that it was that discipline is essential in our Christian lives and those running the race but but it's also essential into our witness to the world so let's look at this race and this prize and and just try to see what what he's even talking about what does the race even mean so first Be there, the race. Paul, coming out of chapter 8, he's been talking to the Corinthians. And he's been telling them that they need to give up some things for the weaker Christians. They were talking about food specifically in chapter 8. And then Paul gets into chapter 9 and he's going to give them several practical examples of how he's doing this in his own life. In verses 1 through 18 of chapter 9, he uses the word rights seven times. And as he keeps working down through there, look at verse 18 if you, if you have your Bible. It says, What then is my reward, that in my preaching I may present the gospel free of charge, so as not to make full use of my right in the gospel? See, Paul had every right to to take and accept money from them, but he wanted to set that aside. he wanted to forfeit that right because there were people in that time who were charging money to teach a false gospel, and Paul's saying, I want nothing to do with this false gospel, so for the the benefit of the true and real gospel, I need to set aside my right to uh, charge so that I'm not associated with that in any way. I need to be completely distinct from the world. And next in verses 19 through 22 as he's moving through chapter 9. He says, For though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant of all, or a slave to all, that I might win more of them. And he goes on to use the word win four times. And then in in verse 22, he changes from the word win to... He says, to the weak I've become weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all people, that by all means I might save some. So his goal, he's he's out to win some, he's out to win some. He says it five times, and then he's, he's out to save some. And then in verse 23... He, he sets up, he summarizes all of 1 through 22, and he summarizes all of 24, or he sets up 24 through 27. He says, I do it all for the sake of the gospel, that I might, may share with them in its blessings. He wants to share with them in the gospel. This is, this is the race he's, he's leading up, he's telling us about but what is the gospel? In, in Romans 1.16, we, we know that uh, Paul tells us that the gospel is the power of God for salvation. Paul's wanting to share with them in salvation. It has, this race has eternal value. But when you dive just a little bit deeper into this verse, in, into this wording, uh, something else kind of steps out of the text here. When you, when you look at the Greek, it, it literally says just to be a, a participant in it. And so we, we have to really think, what is he talking about? Just being a participant in it. So sure, yeah, he, he's going to get to share in its blessings. But let's remember the gospel at its core. Jesus steps down out of heaven and identified with us sinners. He lives the perfect life. He lays down His life. He dies the perfect death. He's the perfect sacrifice. He took the wrath of God that was meant for us Jesus laid down his life, his rights, his freedoms. He set them aside for us, didn't he? And this is what Paul is telling us today, that this race is. That we are to be a people who are constantly laying down our rights and setting aside our, our freedoms for other people, for the lost. For this dying world that we'll be going out into. So Paul says, I do it all. I give up my rights. I forfeit my freedoms. For the Jews, those under the law, those outside the law, not by sinning. And the weak. For the sake of the gospel. This is the race. Race isn't for salvation. It doesn't, it doesn't save you, but it's more just like a test. It just lets you know those who are running for the prize. Let's look at the prize for a second. Paul doesn't give us much detail here. Um, He just says, so obtain it. Only one receives the prize, so obtain it. But what is the prize? If we, again, go look at the Greek, it only shows up one other time in Scripture. That's in Philippians 3.14, where Paul tells us, I press on towards the goal for the prize, the upward call of God in Christ Jesus so what is this upward call of God because this is the prize that we're we're going for we're running for and in first Peter 2 9 Peter tells us it's when God calls us out of darkness and into his his marvelous light Paul tells us in first Corinthians 1 9 that we are called into Fellowship with the Son, Christ Jesus our Lord. First Thessalonians 2.12 tells us that we are to walk in a manner worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. See, it would have been enough. Well, God didn't even have to forgive us, but it would have been enough if he just forgave us of our sins, wouldn't it? He didn't do that, though. He, he forgave us of our sins and invited us into His presence, into His kingdom. And that's what this prize is. It's the call. It's salvation. It's the presence of Jesus. And it's His own kingdom. And one of the differences between this, the worldly race that Paul is illustrating here and the Christian race is, in the worldly race, all the runners run, but only one receives the prize, right? In the Christian race, all receive the prize. And so, the race is laying down our rights and our freedoms for the spread of the gospel and making disciples, and the prize is Jesus. And this is, this is key for Southern Baptist churches, I think, especially in this day because what it seems like and there's a tendency that we're just going after professions and baptisms, right? And those are good, but they see, they can they can easily become a num people can become a number that we just brag about at our association meetings. We're making disciples. What Paul is talking about here is so much deeper. There's so much more than a number we care about. They're a soul we care about then. Because the difference between just a profession and making a disciple is that when you're making a disciple, you're coming alongside these people. You're walking with them. It's messy sometimes. You see their sin. They're exposed. You're exposed. And you're walking with them and growing with them in this race. I think sometimes we, we can also trade in the prize of Jesus for streets of gold or streams flowing with milk and honey or or a mansion on the hill, which again are, are all good things. Just if, if Jesus isn't there, none of those things are worth anything. He is the prize next Paul tells us how to run he says run like a a winner in verse 24 do you not know that in a race all the runners run but only one receives the prize so run that you may obtain it how does a winner run What'd you say, Ruthie? There you go. That's a good answer. Thank you. Yeah, he runs with determination. He's he is prepared for the race by constantly training. He's he's wanting to compete at the very highest level. When he gets to the race, he has one focus. He's he's going to run. He's going to win the prize. That's his only focus. He runs hard and and he gives everything he has. He gives up uh food and and uh he has a, a strict sleep regimen and a strict workout and a lot of times he has to even give up his family for a while during these Greek races they, they couldn't even be with their family for ten months. So the runner, the winner, he he gives up a lot and Paul is, is simply telling us that if the athletes train this hard if they deny themselves many worldly enjoyments, clear their lives of distractions, how much more should we as Christians? The athlete is doing this for a crown that will perish, for accolades that that will wither away in time. But we have an imperishable wreath, don't we? And this will require us to deny ourselves and take up our cross. Remember Matthew 16:24, where Jesus told his disciples, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. We're to deny ourselves. We're to take up our cross and follow Him. And, and, and the one who loses his life for, for Christ, he, he finds it, doesn't He? This Christian life should be all-consuming. And the way we pray, and the way we fast, and the way we love others, and the, and the way we share the gospel, it should be all-consuming to us. and for most of us this, this sharing the gospel it's not our natural gift it's it's not anything that we really even like to do it's kinda awkward you know you know there's a nervousness in you know what is this person gonna think of me or or you know there's just all these questions on on how to do this and, and even what to do but isn't this exactly the reason why we need discipline and to discipline ourselves to be able to do this, we run like a, like a winner. And then also, next notice in verse 25 uh, of what Paul says. He says, every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we, we an imperishable <coughs> So we run filled with the Spirit. The athlete exercises self-control, all things. Strict diet, strict workout. Set aside time to do these things. And we as Christians, we must do the same thing. We discipline ourselves. We set aside time to pray and read God's Word. But since doing these things isn't really natural for us, we, we need to remember what Galatians... 5:23 tells us that this self-control, this ability to control and discipline ourselves, it's a fruit of the Spirit. And we could never work to save ourselves and we're we're not going to be able to buy our works, grow ourselves. He is... Paul says it this way in Philippians 12c. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. But then he goes on to say... For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. So, the basic principle that Paul is stating is God must work in us, and then he's going to work through us. And when we're dead in our sins and, and we, we would try to work for, for, to grow and to, even to know God and even to be saved sometimes, what happened? What happened to us? We'd we'd get rid of one idol and we would just put another one in its place, wouldn't it? Because our hearts are idol factories. And so we work and we work and we're exhausted because we get rid of this one idol and just to start with something else. And This is why we need discipline. This is why we need the power of the Holy Spirit to, to lead us in self-control and, and to guide us. And so if, you're, if some of you might be struggling to re- read the Word of God, you know, it's just not something that comes natural to you, pray. Pray that, that the Holy Spirit would illuminate Scripture for you. Maybe some of you are struggling with sharing your faith. Pray that He would grant you boldness, and the words to say when you're, you're talking to your coworker or or whoever you're near. Maybe it's a student. And so this will, this will help us then as we're praying, as we're focused on, on the prize in this race. It will help us to have a, a one-tracked mind. In verse 26, he says, I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air. But I discipline my body and keep it under control. Paul telling the church there's a, there's a purpose for his running. I'm not running aimlessly, he says. I do not box as one beating the air. He has a single-minded focus. He's consumed with knowing the gospel. He's consumed with sharing the gospel. Listen to Acts 20, 24. He says... I do not account my life of any value nor as precious to myself. If only I may finish my course and the ministry that I received from the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. Now let's, let's pause here. Let's connect this back to verse 24. Paul starts it with, Do you not know that in a race all the runners run this should be so obvious that that runners run in a race to receive a prize right this should be so obvious that those who are born again believers are sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ making him known among the nations this is the purpose for which we've been saved and what if Paul instead of going to the gentiles and, and going to fill this purpose he said you know what i just think i'll take a regular job i just I get a regular wife i'll get a normal house and we'll just we'll just settle down he'd be doing the very opposite thing in which he was called for wouldn't he let's say coach Cal calls me up he says, "Matthew, I want you to start for the basketball team." I say, "All right, coach. I guess I guess I'll sink down to those standards. I'll start for your basketball team." <laughs> and every day at practice, I show up with a baseball bat and I start taking batting practice. Just every day at practice, I just start taking batting practice. We think Coach Cal would say, probably say a lot of things. (laughs) But one thing he would say is get your head in the game. You're wrong sport, man. We think Paul would say when our all of our efforts are to our career and to our four oh one K. Wrong sport, man. Wrong sport. We, have a, we need a single-minded focus to run this race, and we need each other. By God's grace, he has given us each other to run this race. We're not running this alone. We're not meant to run this alone. We we have been given one another to, to go out in, to Breckenridge County to the ends of the earth and to make Christ known. So we run like a winner. We run Spirit Field. We run with a one-tracked mind and then we run as one not found counterfeit. We have a very scary thought here in, in verse 27. It says, But I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others I myself should be disqualified. And there's a great debate over this word, disqualified, what it means. And some commentators and pastors here indicate that, that Paul is talking about being disqualified from sharing the gospel. That, that he wouldn't receive a crown of righteousness when he got to heaven. That he wouldn't be allowed to preach anymore. And others claim that Paul is saying that if he doesn't share the gospel, he can lose his salvation. Is, is Paul really in these verses saying that we can lose our salvation if we don't share the gospel? No, I don't think he's saying that at all. I don't think he's saying you can lose your salvation, but, but neither do I think Paul is uh, saying you can, li- you can be saved no matter how you live. See, the way we run reveals who or what we believe in. Let's look at this word just a little bit closer disqualified in, in the Greek it's a, a dokimos, and it means unable to stand test rejected refused worthless to be shown counterfeit it's used 8 times in the New Testament and a couple of those times is in 2 Corinthians 13 verse 5 he says examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith test yourselves or do you not realize this about yourselves, that Jesus Christ is in you, unless indeed you fail to meet the test? So, Paul is talking about being shown counterfeit as one standing before the judge and hearing, Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. But, Lord, I, I went to church, I tithed, I served. Jesus looking at them and saying but I never knew you it's a scary word here eternity is at stake in this word and if you are a follower of Jesus Christ then you have been saved for the enjoyment of God and you are to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ for the glory of God And the love of others. And you're to do this to the ends of the earth. These are the rules. This is the commission we've been given in Matthew 28. And brothers, sisters, we have to examine our lives. And ask, am I following Jesus and making disciples? Or am I deliberately disobeying and disregarding the commandment He's given me to do? Sharing the gospel doesn't save you. That's legalism, which means earning, trying to earn my salvation by doing something. But what it does do is it reveals the heart. We live in a culture today where the the confessed Christian has never made a disciple. Barely attends church, never reads the Bible, never prays. And if we're going year after year without sharing the gospel, if we're not growing in our love for Christ, and we have no passion for the lost, we could care less about anybody else, then your heart is hardened to a lost and dying world and is blind to seeing truth. And that is a heart that will be found counterfeit. This is a tough word. I know I've been staring at it for three months. But it's the truth. And I think Paul is saying here, don't get to the end of your life running after stuff that doesn't matter. Just perishable wreaths. And look back And realize that you missed the purpose in which you were saved. This is why he runs like a winner. This is why he has a single-minded focus. This is it, man. The prize is all I want. And then that leads to the result. We run for the glory of God. Think about this for a minute. If everyone in the church is running the race this way, then when we exit here in just a little while, 200 plus people are going out into a community where 80% are unchurched. 200 plus are going into a community where 80% are unchurched. Not only that, but we have more opportunities than ever to go and to take the gospel to the unreached, where 3.4 billion people are unreached today. Not lost, unreached, meaning they don't even have access to the gospel. They will live and die and never hear about Jesus. And God and His providence now is bringing now even unreached peoples to our nation. I don't know what you feel, how you feel about the refugee crisis, but, but it's an opportunity. We can't get missionaries in these places, but we can share the gospel with them in Louisville or Bowling Green or Owensboro. We must be a people making disciples from Breckenridge County to the ends of the earth. And one thing's for certain, our flesh, it's going to say no. This is awkward. This is hard. This is messy. But we must be a people who lay down our freedoms and our rights to make Christ known among the nations. Let's look to Christ. Let's, let's think through His life, because He's, He's the one we're emulating. And in John 1.14 it says, He stepped out of heaven and became a man. <laughs> He was tempted in every way we were, but did not sin. That's Hebrews 4.15. He was obedient even to the point of death. Philippians 2.8. And then, then what happened in the garden of Gethsemane? Let's read it in Matthew twenty six thirty six through 39. Then Jesus went with them to a place called Gethsemane, And he said to his disciples, Sit here while I go over there and pray. And taking with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, My soul is very sorrowful even to death. Remain here. Watch with me. His body is saying no right here. This is too painful. This is, this is too hard to take on the sins of the world to be separated from my Father. Listen closely to how he disciplines himself, though. And going a little farther, he fell on his face and prayed. Discipline. Self-control. My Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Church, this is your Lord. He is the one who took your place on the cross. He bore your wrath for your sins. He's the prize for all those who repent. And by His grace, He calls you and He allows you to be a part of His mission. To take the gospel to all the nations. And we start here. We start in Breckenridge County, but we go to the ends of the earth. And so I exhort you, just the way Paul did at the beginning. He says, so run. Run so to obtain the prize. Let me leave you with a couple just practical um, applications. then we'll close it out. I think we need to start by asking ourselves, how much do I even want the prize? We'll never discipline ourselves for a prize we don't really desire. And then repent of how we've prized other things. And then pray to the Holy Spirit that, that he would reveal Jesus as the ultimate prize. Then, church, I think we need to ask ourselves, is this price worth denying myself the things I enjoy? Let's set aside time to read the Bible this week. Maybe for some of you it's just a beginning. Just start with a verse. Maybe start with a section. If you don't understand it, pray through it. God, would you just, you know, just illuminate Scripture to me today? And then then start by fasting weekly. Try to add that to your weekly schedule. And, and what is fasting? Some of the people think it's just food. It's, it's simply uh, setting aside something that's that's normal to us and and spending that time with the Lord. So like maybe you're going to watch TV tonight, three or four hours, you go, "I'm going to set aside that time and and, and just read and. And pray and be with the Lord. Or, or maybe it's something as simple as I'm not going to look at Facebook for a day. Or I'm not going to get on the internet for the day. Or, or whatever that is. Just set it aside and, and, and give that time to the Lord. And then if we do those things though, then we need to tell the world who we're, what we're learning when we're reading and fasting and praying. Start praying for boldness to share the gospel with someone this week, with a non-Christian. Then as you grow in your boldness, don't put boundaries on where you're going to share. Just submit to Jesus to lead you wherever he wants to lead you. At this time, um, Grant's going to come up and he's going to lead us in a song. Lord, I need you. And just as we're, we're spending this time, just, just really be honest with yourself. Examine yourself. And, and just, just, just be praying through, God, what have I prized over you? And then just, just ask him to remove that. He's faithful. He's just. He, he will remove that and, and reveal to you the prize. Let's pray.